This episode is proudly sponsored by my amazing patrons. For the multi-tier, a heartfelt thank you to Ted and C, St. Peaches, Earl B, Christina N, Bunkers, Carlo C, and our newest multi-patron, Ian. In the Tao tier, I extend a massive appreciation to Viren A, Jordan, Roman, Philip, Mona, Luna, Diwatahan, Brizo, and our latest Tao patron, Undead. Thank you all so much for your unwavering support. It truly means a lot to me. To you, my dear listeners, if you would like to support the podcast, please visit patreon.com slash tabitabipod. For as little as 2 or $6, you can enjoy early access to episodes, exclusive content, and more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash tabitabipod. See you there. Mabuhay and welcome to Tabi Tabi Podcast, a show where we explore the fascinating and often mysterious folklore of the Philippines. I am your host, Ethan. Hi, thank you for joining me today. Another week, another new episode. Hi and hello. I hope you enjoyed last week's spooky Saturday and shout out by the way to Miss Katrina GC for the comment on last week's episode. She said that there are some details regarding the 1945 massacre at NBS Chapel that needed to be clarified. In her comment, she said that there were other civilian survivors. I realized that wasn't mentioned last week, so thank you so much for the correction. Also, she added that there are other spooky places on campus as well. Not just the ones I mentioned on the episode, but but they also mentioned the STRC building and the Mutian Marie Hall. So, if you want to listen to the spooky stories in De La Salle University, please go listen to last week's episode. And thank you so much for the correction and for sharing other hunting locations on the De La Salle campus. Miss Katrina, I really, really appreciate it. Other than the corrections, I have seen comments as well commenting the podcast and saying that they enjoyed my content. I really appreciate it. I hope you learned something and be inspired to share the stories with others as well. I don't often share it, but I really am thankful. It really means a lot. Now, today's episode is going to be a little bit short. Once again, it's one of those creatures that has few uh, information written about it. Just because it has little information doesn't mean we should not talk about it, right? So, settle in, my dear listeners, and let's begin. The eyes. A special part of the human anatomy serve as our window to the world, allowing us to perceive and navigate our surroundings. Each eye is approximately 1 inch across with a weight of about 0.25 ounces. Despite their modest size, the human eyes possesses an astonishing ability to distinguish approximately 10 million different colors, adding a vivid spectrum to our visual experiences. Unlike some features of our anatomy such as noses and ears, which continue to grow throughout our lives, our eyes maintain a consistent size. And did you know that the human eye blinks an average of 4,200,000 times a year, a testament to its constant activity and protection? Remarkably, humans and animals share the same commonality of having two eyes. 
It's a fundamental aspect of visual perception for both species. Unless, of course, some unforeseen accident occurs to an animal, leading to the intriguing possibility of a three-eyed creature, but that's quite rare. Animals with their natural affinity to nature boast heightened senses that often surpasses those of humans. This heightened awareness attributed to their need for adaptation in the wild makes them more alert and perceptive. Eyes and animals, what does that have to do with today's episode? Well, let me tell you, my dear listeners. You see, the creature that I'm going to talk about today is a creature that can be found in Visayan folklore, and its name is the Daligmata. Now, while the name may seem familiar, this is not the animal form of the goddess Dalikmata. The sole resemblance between the goddess Dalikmata and this creature is that both are covered with eyeballs, hence why the name is familiar. But the goddess is spelled with K and the creature is spelled with G. So, goddess Dalikmata and Daligmata. Both are very different. Moving on, this creature was described to be an earth-like animal or laman lupa. What's laman lupa? Laman lupa, according to the book, mga nilalang nakagilas-gilas by Edgar Samar, are believed to reside underground, in mounds or a tree trunk, and are sneaky beings often existing in spirit or elemental form. Revered as guardians of the land, people make offerings to them during planting and harvest seasons. While typically benign, disturbances to their habitats may provoke defensive actions. Thus, the phrase tabi-tabipo is spoken as a courtesy when entering unknown places. Why is the daligmata characterized as laman lupa? I believe it may be due to the fact that this creature is frequently encountered in its spiritual form, possibly because people invoke its presence or maybe because it is predominantly found in forested areas. Now, whether this creature resides in mounds or trees remains uncertain to me. However, this seems to be the most plausible reason for it being classified as Laman Lupa, at least in my opinion. Because they don't live in the mounds, or maybe they do, I just haven't found a concrete evidence or information about it. But um, for me, I think that the Daligmata is characterized as Laman Lupa because they are in their spirit form. They are being invoked by some people or shamans. And I guess in certain stories, maybe they are found in the forest. So that's my opinion. Now, as a laman lupa, the daligmata is described as a creature that is adorned with large and piercing eyes. Meaning, the daligmata has eyes all over its body. What precisely is this for? I'll elaborate a bit later. Now, the daligmata are reported to reveal themselves only at night and they don't enjoy being out in the sun or maybe in the morning. Now, if you go research or Google the daligmata, some of the artworks you'll see seem to depict them looking like a cat. But I just want to remind you that I haven't found any info that they are specifically feline looking. The Daligmata is frequently described as taking the form of a spirit animal. So if we're going to take that information literally, that means that it can appear in a variety of shapes and sizes, not just feline looking. 
While creative interpretations may lean on feline characteristics, the lack of conclusive proof leaves the door open for the ligmata to assume the form of any species. So it could be dogs, pigs, a gorilla, an elephant, who knows. Moving forward, the Deligmata is not merely a mysterious creature lurking at night. No, it plays a significant role in the community. According to the book, Mga Nilalang Nakagilas-Gilas, the Deligmata is believed to assist those who have lost their belongings and also plays a crucial role in the Gudguden ritual. While the exact details of the Gudguden ritual remains unclear to me, my research indicates that it is performed to aid those who are sick or have had their souls stolen. Based on my interpretation, the Daligmata's purpose may be to locate lost souls and guide them back to their bodies. This theory stems from the idea that while malevolent spirits are believed to be responsible for causing souls to leave the body, whether it is by force or because of like a punishment or something, malevolent spirits do make that happen. And families facing such unfortunate situations usually seek the assistance of shamans in an effort to restore their loved ones to health. Additionally, when you think about it, the numerous eyes of the Daligmata could be attributed to its role in searching for lost items or souls. More eyes means more possible ways for it to see the surroundings. They can see the front, sides, back, top, and bottom. You can imagine it's quite helpful when locating something, right? Now, remember when I said that the Daligmata takes on the form of different animals? Some interpretation of this creature, or at least what I have seen on Google from various artists, is that of a feline-looking animal. Now, could it be plausible that the creature may take on the guise of a less intimidating animal to avoid frightening humans, thus gaining their trust and leading them back to their bodies? Because imagine if you're a soul and you saw a lion there. Instincts obviously would make you run away or not go near them as it is considered as an apex predator. So maybe taking on the form of a cat, maybe even a dog, a bird, can make the human feel a bit at ease and follow them until they're back to their respective bodies. Now what I failed to mention earlier is that according to ncaa.gov.ph, the Gudguden ritual, at least for the Manobo, involves an all-night singing ritual. Now, as per Mr. Edgar Summers' book, Mga Nilalang Nakagilas-Gilas, there's an intriguing aspect to the Daligmata. Instances where this creature is involved in stealing the soul of a dreaming person, a phenomenon that occurs while the creature is singing. So allow me to paint you a picture. You're peacefully sleeping, lost in a dream, when suddenly, a captivating melody fills the air. It's a beautiful and melodic tune that inexplicably urges you to follow its source. Before you know it, you'll find yourself irresistibly drawn to the sound, and in a strange twist, your soul departs from your body. At least that's what I think happens when the Daligmata sings and you're lured or your soul is lured out of your body. 
While I cannot provide a definitive explanation for why the Daligmata engages in soul-stealing, it raises several questions worth considering. The Gudgudan ritual performed by shamans involves singing. And with the assistance of the Daligmata, it brings back souls. Simultaneously, the Daligmata through its singing has the ability to take the soul of a dreaming individual. Is there a connection between these two forms of singing and if so, which practice influenced the other? Furthermore, why does the Daligmata steal souls? Is it for sustenance, to guide them to the afterlife, or is it perhaps a playful act? If the Daligmata does indeed take souls, is there any indication that they return them to the original body? Or is the fate of the stolen souls left unresolved? That concludes the 16th episode of the podcast about the mysterious Daligmata. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned something new. Yes, this one is very short and I think I post more questions than answers but I hope those questions made you curious about the nature of the Daligmata. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Or you can always become a Patreon member and get cool benefits, just head over to patreon.com slash tabitabipod. Or you can always donate via GCash, the info will be posted in the description. Once again, thank you to my patrons and to you, my dear listeners. Thanks for continuously supporting the podcast. Please stay safe. This has been Ethan and thanks for listening to Tabi Tabi Podcast. Join me next time to discuss more Philippine creatures. Bye!